Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. There's a high fly ball from KMOX Sports. That's it deep to left field, and it's a gutter. Big fly, Nolan Arenado. There's a moment for you. Welcome to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. And the driving jam time. And the Billikens win this one. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm, because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. Comeback pattern caught. Touchdown, Kansas City. Now, Sports Open Line on America's Sports Voice, KMOX. Turn on your microphone, Wheeler. I started talking, had all these wonderful thoughts, and I'm like, I'm not hearing myself. Because you have to turn on your microphone, you idiot. Um, yeah, I want to start off with a little bit more baseball here. We're going to jump around a bit. I'm going to we're going to hear from Roger Goodell in a little bit. He had his state of the league address today. Um, I want to do some actual baseball, which I'm going to do in the next segment. I want to talk about the Cardinals bullpen for this year. Uh, what we, what it looks like today. Uh, we, you know what what could be added. I think you know before everything got shut down with the lockout, there was a lot of buzz reported, uh, particularly by my good friend Derek Gould, that they were really uh, eyeing some 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 veteran relievers, some proven relievers to bring in, and not not to bring in more than one. I wouldn't think it would be more than one, and you'll see why I wouldn't think that when we start talking about the numbers game here. But the bullpen is going to be an interesting question this year. Uh, it, it it was a problem for a part of last year. It was funny because there were times where it was really strong and it worked out really well, and there were times where it didn't work so well at all. Uh, but, yeah, I think they were. They, we'd like to see a little bit more consistency from the pen this year, uh, and we'll take a look at what's there in the next segment. Uh, also, again, I mentioned Rob, we'll, we'll hear from Roger Goodell in a bit, talk about the state of the league address, and the the non-answer answers that he kept providing today when it came to questions about um, equality in their hiring process. And I think, I think there's something telling in the fact that even today, with the lawsuit already out there, with this topic having been around for 20 years, there is still nothing of any substance coming from anybody with the league. I'll tell you why I think that is coming up later on. Um, and, and I, I think we want to start, but I do want to start with this on the labor side of things. Cause I've had a few people ask me some on Twitter, again, some friends, people texting me, others around the station, whatever, but you know, like why, why is it that when it comes to these issues related to labor, why are you so much on the players association side? And I think most of it is this, we get too caught up in what the star players make. And too much of what the star players make is what makes up the major league payroll. 
And we understand that, right? I mean, like, I, I don't think anybody's out here crying for um, Max Scherzer. Nobody's out here crying for Yadier Molina or Adam Wainwright or anything like that. Like, I think we all agree that those players are good to go. The top end of the spectrum gets paid. They get paid at a ridiculous level. And that's okay. And you know why it's okay? Because they're the product that's being sold. Like, I hear this too much. Like, they're the employees. All right, yeah, to a degree. But they are also the product. Right? This isn't like, okay, you're making cars. You're an important person because you help make the cars. But And, and you're an employee. But you're not the car. <laughs> In the case of sports, the athletes are both the employee and the product. Their talent and the demand for people seeing that high-end talent is what drives all the revenue. It's what makes all the money. So it's not the same setup as your workplace or mine. Although mine is a little more similar. You know, if in this business too, I mean, if you're bringing in the money, you're making money. I mean, it's just that simple. And that's most businesses, but it's usually less direct, right? You know, like, for example, during Sports Open Line, the business is KMOX, right? I'm the employee, but because what happens for these two hours is related to what I do, or earlier in the day, it's what Charlie and Amy do, it's... It's what Debbie and Tom do in the morning. It's what the Glover show does. Like throughout the course that, you know, St. Louis talks is about Carol and Bo and Ryan. Like the reason that those people, that people listen is not just because we wear the uniform, so to speak. It's because people like to hear certain voices. You know, what, what you're saying is a part of the product that's being sold. Your personality is the product. Well, in baseball, in football and hockey and basketball. It's the skill level, it's the talent, and it's the work that's gone into developing that talent. So you're not just an employee, you are the product. Tom Cruise is not just an employee on a movie. Tom Cruise is the product. You're going to the movie because he's in it, because he's always in good movies. They may not win awards, they might not, he might not win Oscars, but they, man, his movies are fun. That's why he gets paid what he gets paid. And that's why professional athletes get paid what they do. But most baseball players don't make that kind of money. And again, I, I, one of the reasons I'm on the side, generally speaking, not on 100%, by the way, I've said it a, few, a, a bunch of times, I think there are issues that the union has had to give in on and needs to give in on some more. What they're asking for specifically is more than what they're going to get, and they're going to have to move. I'm not saying that what the owners need to do is match or meet what the players are asking for. I'm saying they need to move in that direction. Like the middle ground of between where the two are is probably the right place to be. But the reason I side more on the player's side is because of the way this is structured. What other business in the world can you come out of high school or college and not have and potentially not have any control of where you live, where you work, who you work for, for as many as 13 years of your life. If you understand how the rules work, right? You could be drafted out of high school at the age of 18. 
Now, within four years, you got they they have four years of control of you, and then by the end of the, after four years, you either have to be put on the forty man roster, or you have to be um, eligible for someone else to take you in the Rule Five draft. And eventually, you can get to minor league free agency, but that's like six years. But what a team can do if you're a good prospect, maybe not an elite one, but a good one. You drafted at 18, you get to those four years, you're 22, you've been at double A, you're not ready for the big leagues, but they like you, they're going to put you on the 40, man. They have, so you've already spent four years, and by the way, four years making nothing in terms of a salary. If you were a high draft pick, you got a nice bonus, but if you were not a high draft pick, you don't even have that, and you're making below minimum wage as a minor league player. So you got to do that. That's that's four years. Now, when you're on the 40, man, you're you're going to be in a position where you can make a little bit more of a salary. But it's not going to be that much playing at double A AA and triple A, but it's more than what you were before. But they have three option years on you now. So they don't have to put you in the major leagues for a single day during those three option years. They just have to option you out before opening day and you don't get any service time. So they can control you for another three additional years without you appearing in the major leagues. So that's seven years from the time you're drafted. And at the end of that, well, then they either have to keep you up at the, on the, on, you know, if you're out of options, they either got to keep you or they got to let you go, right? You're exposed to waivers and eventually you can clear and, and become afraid. So that's seven years. Let's say you, at the end of that, like, all right, look, he's used up his options. His options. We're going to keep him. We, we want him in the major leagues. He's good. We don't want to lose him. Now they have control of you for six more years till you can become a, a major league free agent. So you were drafted at 18. You don't hit free agency until you're 31. And it's the first time in your life that you have any control over where you live, where you play, who your boss is. And for the rest of us, we have that choice as soon as we're coming out of college, we choose where we want to live. We choose where we want to go work. And in sports, we don't allow that. And you know why we don't allow that? Because we want to make it more fair for the teams that are bad. That's what it is. Bad teams need a better chance to get good. Well, listen, you tell me, does that sound like the free market to you? Because what it sounds like to me is, A lot of free market capitalists love the idea of socialism when it comes to their sports. We don't want it to be a free market. We don't have to compete for the best young talent in the world. We just want it given to us based on where we finish in the standings. We stink. We deserve the next Steven Strasburg. We deserve the next Bryce Harper. Because we're bad, and it's only fair that way. Isn't that funny? How fairness matters in that, but it doesn't matter to owners of teams in any other business that they own or participate in. But in sports, we have decided as a society that we're okay with subjugating these athletes who, again, some of them will get the big payday. It's a pretty small percentage, but some of them will, and a lot of others will not. And by the way, that same guy that I'm talking about that had to spend 13 years in the organization before he could ever hit free agency. Now, it's not always 13. That's the extreme example. But it's very common that it's seven, eight, nine years. 
before you would ever hit free agency. And guess what? By that time, you're no longer of any interest to the other teams anymore because now you're over 30. And now you're a risk because of your age. And that, by the way, that example that I just talked about was for somebody drafted out of high school. What if you're drafted out of college? You're 21 years old. It's legitimately possible that you won't see free agency until 10 years later. You're, and by that time, you, you, you've already, you're a diminishing asset. You don't have the value that you did anymore because now you're 32. Because the system is structured the way that it is. And by the way, baseball is the only sport where it's that bad. You know, in basketball, if you're not a free agent, you're in the NBA. And maybe you're in the G League, but you're not there forever. In the NFL, if you're on a rookie contract, you can be a free agent as early as four years. If you're a first rounder, you could be a free agent in five years if they exercise the fifth year option. But if they do that, you're getting paid elite money. But baseball has a setup where the vast majority of players are basically hosed from the beginning. And now again, that top percentage of players really gets paid, man. You know, the superstars, the Bryce Harpers, Nolan Arenados, those guys get paid. But the vast majority of players don't. The average major league career is three and a half years. If you only have a three and a half year major league career, you never make any real money. You're making the minimum for most of those years. Take out the taxes and what you owe your agent, and you're not talking about very much money at all when you just spent anywhere from three or four to ten years in the minor leagues making nothing. So all of that is partly is is a large part of why I support the players when it comes to these things. Because they they do end up, most of them, and again, not the stars, but most of them don't have that path to glory as quickly as other sports. There's a reason why a guy like Kyler Murray chooses the NFL instead of Major League Baseball. Because he goes straight to the NFL and he's the starting quarterback making first round pick money. As opposed to baseball, you get a nice bonus and now you're going to ride buses for three or four years. All right, more baseball next up, but I want to talk real baseball, like on the field stuff. Let's take a look at the Cardinals bullpen situation going into 2022 where they might add and what they have and what we can count on. We'll get to that next up on KMOX. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink think what you'll wear on that third date download the instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last minimum ten dollar per order additional term supply we get it attention spans just aren't what they used to be heads in social media and eyes on netflix but what do people do with their ears well for one they're listening to audio americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day oh and you want the proof well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
All right, for a change, let's talk a little on the field. I figured since we're getting closer, I mean, one way or another, we're getting closer to the next baseball game, right? I mean, whether that's really opening day on March 31st or it's, you know, late April, May, June, whatever it is. I mean, we are every day getting closer to that. And between now and whenever, I'm going to gradually and occasionally bring up these topics of discussion on the field for the Cardinals looking ahead to 2022. And today I want to take a look at the bullpen. Uh, it's an interesting situation for the Cardinals. I mean, we, we saw last year how things can go sideways, right? I mean, saw injuries early, like you know, Jordan Hicks going down. We we've, we saw guys who early in the year were a part of the pen and later in the year were not. Uh, we saw some people underachieve. We saw a few people have good years too. And we saw both from Alex Reyes, right? We saw part of the year where Reyes was, you know, I would say largely dominant, although not totally. The walks were always a problem, but you know he spent part of the year where he really wasn't—he really wasn't uh, having too much trouble getting his job done. Made the All-Star team, right? But then it fell apart, and it fell apart in a pretty dramatic way. So when we look at the pen for this year, there's a lot of depth there. I mean, I, barring injuries, we know what the rotation is. Somebody gets hurt in spring training, well, clearly that can change. But barring that, we know that the starters are Adam Wainwright, Jack Flaherty, Dakota Hudson, Miles Michaelis, Steven Matz, in some order. I think it's pretty clear that Flaherty and Wainwright, Wainwright, Flaherty, those guys are one, two, depending on which order they want to put them in. And after that, it could go Michaelis, Hudson, Matz. It could go Matz, Hudson, Michaelis. It could go Hudson, Michaelis. You know, they're, they're, it could go any which way. Not really worried about that. But if nobody gets hurt in spring training, those are your starting pitchers. So we're working off that assumption when we're talking about the bullpen. And I think we have to work off the assumption, too, that it's going to be an eight-man bullpen. You're going to have 13 pitchers on the team, maybe 14. And that might end up being something that they do to compensate for a shorter spring training this year is having a little bit larger roster early in the year, maybe a 28-man roster early in the year, and then cutting it down to 26 later on. But I think we have to assume eight relief pitchers for the bulk of the season. So we've got the the yeses, right? Okay, the yeses, the no-doubters, Giovanni Gallegos, don't see anything. I don't see him. I don't see anybody but him closing games to start the year. That's your closer, and he's going to be in the pen. Alex Reyes is going to be in your pen. Hannesis Cabrera is going to be there. Those are yeses. TJ McFarland is going to be there. Those are yeses. Now we have some of the question marks. You got Ryan Helsley, obviously coming off an injury, so... He's a yes if he's healthy. Jordan Hicks, the same thing, right? Jordan Hicks is a yes if he's healthy. Cody Whitley sure looks like a yes to me. I really love the way that he finished the year last year. He's got really good stuff. Posted a 249 ERA last year. Had a good strikeout rate. He did have problems with walks. But I think he's capable of, of being better than that. And then you have other candidates in the mix. You know, Jake Woodford is an interesting guy to me. Does he make the team as a long reliever? spot starter does he go back to triple a to stay stretched out as the sixth starter so that if you need somebody to come up let's say you know any one of the guys in the rotation goes down I think the first option is Jake Woodford I mean like based on the how he finished last year I thought he looked really good down the stretch last season based on that he's probably the guy the first guy you want to count on if you need somebody from triple a now, you could also throw in Oviedo, but based on last year, Woodford should be ahead of Oviedo. 
You have Angel Rondon, who's on the 40-man, who's an option. You know, he, he he's a player that we didn't see much of last year, but he's a guy that's pretty decent. Matthew Libertor is going to be an option um, for, the, for the rotation, too. So we've got all of those guys. And when it comes to the bullpen, you still have guys like Junior Fernandez in the organization. Um, and, uh, Brandon Waddell is there. Um, Seth Elledge is still in the organization. But I think that this is this is where we clearly need to look at an addition from the outside. Now, it, you don't have to do it, but I think that the plan is to do it, and it certainly would make sense to bring in somebody of somebody who's a veteran, ideally a strike thrower. And Ryan Tapera's name has come up a good bit. He's a quality relief pitcher with a really with a really solid track record, and I'm sure there will be competition for him. But I mean, I think there are relievers, you, but you have to add somebody to that. Now, here's the thing about the bullpen. You can always take a starting pitcher like an Oviedo or a Woodford or somebody like that and work them into a long relief role to fill out your bullpen if you want to go that route. Obviously, you can't do it the other way around. So having the starting depth, to me, is more important than building bullpen depth. And by the way, the Cardinals do have a couple of of younger guys that could be bullpen options, too. You know, Jake Walsh had a pretty good year last year. He's somebody you could keep an eye on. Um, you know, we've, we've seen a few of these other guys that have had decent years in the minor leagues that might be able to make a jump. I, I, I don't want to count on any of them. But you also have the guys that have been starters. Like, for example, could Zach Thompson end up being a relief option? He struggled badly at AAA last year, especially with command, but he went to the Arizona Fall League, pitched as a reliever, and struck out more than a batter per inning. I mean, it's a first round. I don't think you want to make him a reliever, by the way. I think you want him to have a chance to start. But they have a lot of players that are going to be at that AAA level that could convert to the pen. I think you're covered there. But as I look at what you have, I'm okay with what I just described, assuming good health. But because of the injury history of Hicks and Reyes, because Helsley's coming off an injury, I'm gonna want another. I'm gonna want another proven guy to throw into this mix just in case. And by the way, I I think all the reporting about this, in particular from Derek Gould, but from others covering the team and covering Major League Baseball as well, it's pretty clear. I mean, there was there was there were reports before the lockout that the Cardinals were interested in Joe Kelly. Um, again, versatile guy, big time stuff. You know him well. Fun personality. Can pitch late in games as he did with the Dodgers. Now the problem with Kelly is. Over the last handful of years, it's been a little bit hit or miss at times. Last year, he was phenomenal. A couple years ago, a little bit more erratic. Uh, but still, a quality pitcher and the kind of stuff that you you can you would definitely want to put into put into the bullpen and have him as a part of your mix. The bullpen has a chance. See, last year, going into the year, I thought the bullpen had a chance to be one of the best in the National League. Clearly was wrong about that. And I, and I know that I have to use last year as a caution to myself to not get excited. I do think there are a lot of guys here with tremendous upside. I mean, Cabrera, Reyes, Hicks. I like, I like Whitley a lot. Helsley obviously has the big arm. But the number one thing we've got to see out of all of those guys is more strikes. That's why Gallegos is your closer, because he's the best strike thrower of the guys that could close. One of the reasons I love to bring in TJ McFarlane back, strike thrower. They need that. 
And I would imagine anybody that they bring in in free agency is probably going to have that characteristic too. But I think you got the basis there. And we'll talk about the rotation somewhere down the road. Maybe it's in the next couple of days. Maybe it's next week. We'll get into the infield, the outfield separately. I'm going to glom the DH side into the outfield as a part of the conversation that day. But I, I think that it's interesting. And I didn't talk about this before, and I'll wrap on this. You know, last week, the Zips projections came out on fan graphs, the Dan Zimborski Zips ratings, and the Cardinals were projected to win the division. Now, they were only projected with 89 wins. I think that's going to be a little bit low. I think they're better than that. But the question is how much? With the right ad in the pen and a healthy rotation, they could be a 94-95 win team, which is would be, I think that puts us in a comfort level, right? I mean, if we're looking at a 94-95 win team, I think we're all going to be comfortable. You don't have a whole lot of angst when you're good enough to, de- to be that. The question will be health of the rotation. And by the, I, I don't have as many worries about the lineup as a few people do, in part because of how they looked down the stretch last year. I'm not going to get into that today. But if you look at their road numbers last year, they were one of the better offensive teams in the National League. Maybe the best. Looking at their road numbers. They struggle at home, but they have a tough home ballpark. And that impacts your opponents, too. So it's not really a disadvantage. It just makes your numbers look like they're not as good. More on that later. Let's hear from the commissioner of the NFL. You want to hear Roger Goodell say a whole lot of nothing? (laughs) We'll get to that and the why next up on KMOX. All right, so today was the State of the League address for the National Football League. Uh, you know, a few days before the Super Bowl every year, Roger Goodell holds his big press conference, gets asked a bunch of questions, and offers up some answers. And he hit on a couple of things today, and I'm going to you know hit on both of them here uh, before we finish up the show. One of them was Washington Commanders and uh, you know the the new allegations that came up on Capitol Hill about Dan Snyder and harassment and getting handsy with women that work for the team, which is just, I mean, first of all, what is, what is wrong with people? Like, what is wrong with dudes that do stuff like that? Like, seriously, you don't just, you just don't put your hands on people that don't want your hands on them. And you can't assume that they want that. Anyone. Never, I've never understood that. Like, would you want someone to do that to your mom? To me, it's that simple. What would you like to happen to your mom, your sister, your daughter, your own wife? Would you want somebody that doesn't know them very well? Hands on the thigh, things like that? Because you wouldn't. If somebody did that to your mom when you were an adult, you would probably punch that person. Or at least want to. Yet, how do you put yourself in a place where you think that's okay? But I thought Roger Goodell had an interesting quote on that today. He said, well, I don't know how the Washington, how a team can investigate itself. Like, first of all, it's kind of what you allowed. The league allowed that whole agreement to happen where they would have an outside investigator, but not make the report public, not let anybody know about it. And Rodney Fort is a guy that I follow on Twitter. Rodney is a sports economist. He's at the University of Michigan. Does some good stuff. And I thought it was funny because Goodell said, quote, I do not see how any team can do an investigation of itself. 
And Rodney Ford's tweet was a retweet of that saying, he said as the NFL itself was investigating itself for racial hiring problems. So it's okay for the league to investigate its own hiring practices, but a team can't investigate. See, this is the problem. Raj just didn't think that through. And this is what I mean when I say using a lot of words to say a whole lot of nothing. Like that's, it's not an uncommon thing. I mean, we all hear it when we get these kinds of presentations from executives in the companies that we work for, or you hear it from the commissioners in sports. It's always something that's been approved by the legal department, blah, blah, blah. Can't say a whole lot. So I'm going to say a lot of words without really saying anything, but whatever the thing that I'm supposed to be committed to today is what I'm committed to. Good old Raj did that today. They're, they're committed. I tell you, they're committed to looking into the issue of racial inequality when it comes to the hiring practices of coaches and head coaches in the National Football League. And I think I'd start with the basis that uh, racism or uh, any form of discrimination is against our values and, and really something that we will not tolerate. So, uh, you know, let's take Coach Flores' uh, litigation and put that to the side. Let's talk really, that will go through the legal process. It's really more important to talk about what Coach Flores was talking about and other coaches have talked about with respect to what really is happening in the hiring process. What's good, what's bad, what's not leading us to the results that we expect to have. Um, We have spent an extraordinary amount of time with our committees, uh, particularly our Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Committee, but also with our membership in general uh, to sort of talk about the process. Uh, I think we've made a tremendous amount, a lot of progress in a lot of areas, but not at the head coach. And that is something that uh, is something we really have focused on to try to get the kind of results that we would expect. And we fell short of that by a long shot for us. Where do you find, uh, where do you think the disparity lies in getting these candidates, very qualified candidates, which we've seen throughout the NFL, not only into the room, but actually getting these jobs and retaining these jobs? Well, they are getting into the room and they're getting the interviews. In fact, they're exceeding anything in the Rooney rule as far as the interviews. It's the, what we want to try to see is the outcomes, right? We want to see um, black head coaches in the NFL and coaches of, of, of people of color. Uh, and eventually gender uh, that we think is all important. So it's an inclusive process and hopefully an inclusive outcome. And I think, so we're, what we're going to do is step back and look at everything we're doing today, uh, reevaluate that, uh, everything from looking at the Rooney Rule and seeing what changes should be made to that, if any changes, or should it be removed, which some people have suggested. All of those things are part of that. We're going to talk to other people, have independent people come in and look and help us evaluate it because it's sometimes hard to evaluate your own policies and procedures and make sure that we're doing everything we possibly can to create that opportunity for everybody to make sure that we are an inclusive league and make sure we get the outcomes we want. And that our policies really truly are effective with outcomes. You mentioned the frustration earlier, and this will be my last question before I open up to the press crew. Uh, when you have to constantly address the issues of diversity and inclusion and hiring practices, what's the message to the folks who work within the league, who, who are living that, who are, in, who are in it every single day? 
Well, I think there is no finish line with diversity and inclusion. I, I think that's something that uh, constantly we have to keep uh, at the forefront of everything we do. It makes us better. It makes us bring the best talent into the league. And I think we made a tremendous amount of progress in a lot of areas, uh, particularly with the head coaches. We have more work to do, and we've got to figure that out. But I think that's what the NFL does well. I think, and I said this earlier this week, to me, this is an opportunity for us to, to step back, look at what we're doing, look what we should be doing, and how we can lead to better results. And all of our employee base is part of that. Uh, our clubs are part of that. Outside experts are part of that. And all of that hopefully will lead us to a better place. And frankly, something that we know we have to do better at, we need to set our minds to it and get it done. Three and a half minutes of nonsense, of saying nothing. Listen, what I heard in those three and a half minutes were the exact same words and thoughts that we've been hearing people in leadership in the National Football League say for 25 years. If this is important to you, if this issue mattered to the 32 NFL owners, the commissioner, and essentially anybody in a position of leadership in the NFL, you wouldn't have to sit here and say these words to us because we would know, based on your actions, that you actually care about these things. This has been a topic in the NFL since I started in sports radio in 1995. This conversation has been going on for 25 years, maybe more than that. That's just all I remember from my, like, I don't remember it before that because I wasn't in the business. I wasn't really paying attention. I was a college student playing college baseball and I wasn't really paying attention to all this other stuff. But this has been going on for at least 25 years. And the league and the owners over the course of those 25 years, and I know that the owners and the commissioners have changed, but they have demonstrated very clearly that this is not an issue that they care about at all. If they cared about it, we would not be having the conversation today. He would not be asking question, answering questions about this in the year 2022. Words mean nothing. He's sitting there like, well, we're going to have to judge the results. Well, the results of these conversations for the last 25 years have been a joke. Don't give me all the blah, blah, blah. We care. No, you don't. If you and your bosses cared, this wouldn't be a conversation. I think it's that simple. Show us you care. I mean, I, I know he can't say anything else right now. The fact is, we've been hearing this blah, blah, blah nonsense for more, than two for more than two decades, and nothing's changing. So talk to all the outside people you want. Talk to anybody. Listen, it doesn't matter. You have demonstrated that this is not a priority. The only priority the NFL has, and maybe it's not even wrong, but the only priority they have is growing revenue. That's it. They don't care about anything else. Maybe they don't have to. But that's a fact. So don't sit there and sing me this song and dance. We'll wrap things up on Sports Open Line coming up next on KMOX. All right, just a couple minutes left. There's a story I didn't get to yet that I'd forgotten about, but I just remembered it because, well, I had it on my rundown. Uh, we didn't even get to this topic yet, but apparently in Major League Baseball, because of the lockout, they are no, nobody's nobody's being tested for steroids. There is no testing policy or procedure in major league baseball until the new collective bargaining agreement is settled and done. 
And I really hope that nobody is like out there going, ooh, free pass to cheat. I'm, I'm sure somebody is because we know human beings are dumb like that and that's the kind of thing that they do. But I, I just hope that that's not going to be a thing this coming year. Now, there is another thing, though, I'm, w- I'm way more concerned about than that. And hopefully Major League Baseball will correct this moving forward. But, you know, the last year, this past season, it's been proven, been proven by, a, by an astrophysicist who studies the baseballs, the characteristics of them, how they act, gets their hand, get, she gets her hands on the baseballs, cuts them up, tests them and all this, that there were two different baseballs being used in Major League Baseball last year, one more lively than another. This is kind of a problem. Like, first of all, there's there are competitive issues there. You know, it, it, depending on where the balls are sent, who gets which set of baseballs, what ballpark they go to, are, are you know, you're getting a different set of baseballs beginning of the year than you are later in the year, and also more importantly than any of that. With your sport and all sports becoming more entwined with legalized gambling outlets, how do you have a variable like that? That can impact things like over-unders on runs scored. I mean, if you're if you're trying to get people to participate in your sport more and using that tool of the of legalized gambling to get more people involved, don't they need to know <laughs> that the equipment is going to be the same every single game? Isn't that kind of a problem? You know, if, if you got you know, over under nine and a half runs for a given game. Well, which ball are we using? Are we using the one that doesn't travel as far? Is that going to limit the offense? And this is kind of stuff that, you know, Major League Baseball says there was no in, nothing done intentionally like this. It was because of COVID production problems. I, look, I don't want to hear any of that. You have to have better control of your equipment and of your product, especially when you're embracing legalized gambling. When you've got sports books going into stadiums and being put in right outside of stadiums, and it's going to be a part. You know, some of these, some of the stuff you can do will be part of you know, right off there off the, the app for a particular team that's putting out there. You have to have better control over your product if you're going to go that route. Otherwise, you're opening yourself up for all kinds of problems. Joe Sheehan has done a good job writing about this. Um, and I'm, I'm, I think, I think the, uh, the astrophysicist, I think her name is Maggie Willis. I follow her on Twitter, but I forgot off the top of my head. Another thing that, you know, major league baseball needs to get in order as well as the owners getting themselves in order so they can have a conversation with the players union and get this thing going here in the not too distant future. Have yourselves a great night. We'll do this again tomorrow here on KMOX. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.